Welcome to episode 102. This is part two of our conversation with the dominatrix Mistress Magenta. The following content is intended for a mature audience only. Please be advised that the podcast is meant for entertainment purposes. We do not endorse or promote products. The Myelin and Melanin podcast discusses the life experiences of the hosts and their guests. Each guest that appears consents to sharing their personal story and experience. If you have questions regarding your sexual health, please consult your medical team. Also, the Myelin and Melanin podcast is not a substitute for therapy. We are not providing medical, psychological, or religious advice whatsoever. Should you become pregnant, it's not our fault. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to the Myelin and Melanin podcast. I'm Dawn. And I'm Dana. We are two Black women sharing our musings on life, MS, and everything in between. You can find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. You can also subscribe to us on YouTube. If you're a fan of the podcast, please consider supporting us through our Patreon. Patrons gain exclusive access to bonus content, giveaways, myelin and melanin merchandise, and more. Our Patreon can be found at patreon.com forward slash myelinmelanin. We also want to give a special thanks to our music producer, Shah Sevier, for providing our podcast music over the past three seasons. So, Mistress Magenta, we have uh, questions that were submitted to you. Uh, and we'd love to uh, dive in and just ask you a few questions if you and, are open. Oh, no. And before that, thank you so much for allowing this. Oh, I yeah, know that um, our listeners were probably very eager to be able to anonymously <laughs> ask these questions. So thank you very much for that. Yeah, no worries. Um, so I, I will ask um, the first one. And Dana, I guess you can kick okay. in whenever you want. Um, sure. Okay, question one. How does the lack of muscle strength in one partner change the dynamics in the bedroom? It's, it's a two-part question, so I'll just break it up that way because I mess. So I'll ask you that one first. <laughs> so what I'll, what I'll say is it's, you know, it's just like any, any other thing. And I think all my, a lot of my answers are going to go back to communication. It doesn't really change the dynamic. Um, you decide what you're, you want your dynamic to be if you're dom- you take on a dom position. If you're a sub, you take on a submissive position. It's all about, you know, communicating on the day, you know, you know, maybe today is not the best day for me to um, do it. I'm feeling weak. Right. Figuring out ways that you can just like, just like in any type of situation when you're, when you're, when you're feeling weak or um, have muscle fatigue, figuring out ways to adapt, you know, having different types of handles that you're, you can hold to mm-hmm. do different activities. I know, at least for me personally, I'm, I'm always a lot better in the mornings than the evenings. Like, mm-hmm. and I know that a lot of other people with MS have similar things and it's just like, well, 
maybe our play doesn't have to be at night. Like maybe we wake up and we play before work, <laughs> you know, it's right. like, you know, it, you have to, you know, you adapt. So I don't think the dynamics are necessarily changed. I think, you know, it, it takes a little bit of research and communication about how, how to do the certain types of play you want to do. And, you know, just having a partner that's patient and, you know, if you guys have a submissive dom relationship and your partner's having a few, some weak days, figuring out other ways to, than other ways than you were originally planning to satisfy mm. both of your needs for dominance and submission. Right. Um, versus maybe the impact play or you were planning before. Right. Yeah, I was just going to ask you that. And I'm, you know, reading the second part of this question. Um, do you mind if I read the second part, Don? Yeah, go ahead. So, so, the, so the second part of the question, he says, being a guy with MS, I've realized that trying to be dominant while having no break, leg strength is hard to pull off. And finding a woman who is okay with that is even harder, mainly because they're used to being the ones being submiss- submissive. So with that said, I was just going to ask you, like, so thinking about a dominant submissive relationship, I'm going to assume that it domination isn't always about physicality. No, it's, okay. it's, it's definitely not. Um, okay. I have, I have um, a submissive who, and that's the thing is like, that's what I'm saying. Other ways to fulfill your needs. Like okay. there, I have a submissive who will come and, clean my house and help with chores. And mm-hmm. I mean, and that's another thing about, and I don't know if this is an actual term, but I've started using it. Might just be making this up, but I, mm-hmm. I call like submissive, my, my submissive men, men of service, because mm-hmm. I feel I like, like a lot of times they ser- they do, they serve me. And even my, even submissives who, who I normally will do bondage or impact play or different other types of play with, mm-hmm if I'm having a bad day and I message them, you know, Hey, can we do something another time or blah, blah, blah. They'll be over in a second with like soup and you know, whatever, because they're, they get pleasure from being submissive to some of them get pleasure from being submissive to me, not necessarily the activities we do. So if I'm getting pleasure from what they're doing, that's what gives them pleasure. Just like, you know, for years, you know, there were women who, you know, would get pleasure from making dinner for their husbands and making sure that, that their husband's lives are easier when they get home and stuff like that. So it's right. just, it's, it's, a, it's, people think it's, people say, you know, it's like, oh, that's kind of weird, but it's just kind of a role reversal of what we've been used to. And right. saying that it's okay if you're a woman who wants to be a woman of service and it's okay if you're a man who wants to be a man of service, it shouldn't be gender related. It should be right. your personality related. That makes sense. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot of service, you know, or just like bringing me like cups of coffee. Like I know couples who who are in like lifestyle domination submissive relationships mm-hmm. and the submissive will just bring the dominant a cup of coffee in the morning. And that's like one of the things of service that they do. And it's mm-hmm. just, that's, you know, so sometimes it's not always, it's it's not always the actual act. It's sometimes it's not always like a sexual or bondage or whatever type of fetish type of act. It's sometimes just the dominant submissive dynamic. Right. Mm -hmm. And just, I guess how that role is fulfilled or. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So question two is 
navigating BDSM and being a dominatrix any different with MS? This is also a multiple, <laughs> multiple questions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's hard to say because I've only had to navigate it as someone with MS, but I will say that, you know, when talking with other dominatrixes, they're similar challenges, similar, similar things that you have to deal with. I mean, most people have something going on, have obstacles. Um, mm -hmm. Just making, I think for me, um, making sure that I respect my own limits and uh, the partners that I'm playing with respect my limits and the partners that I'm playing with are aware. Because that's another thing that I, that I feel like puts people with MS at the same level as everyone else in the kink community is that before you play with anyone, you always talk about, here are the things you should know. Like, mm. I have asthma, I have diabetes, I have... Anything that could impact play that make uh, to make sure that everyone is as safe as possible while the play, right. you know, while the play is happening. Cause you don't want, you don't want to have your leg go out or have something happen related to your MS mm -hmm. and the other person not know that you have MS. So they don't, they start panicking cause they don't know what's going on. Right. And it's, but it's the same thing if someone has asthma, like I need to know if someone has asthma because if they pass out. Or they start breathe, or they start losing their breath. I need to know. Oh, I need to go get their inhaler, just like right. any other thing, you know, in life. So, I think it makes you. It. I feel pretty included in the community mm -hmm. with my MS because I feel like most, a lot of people, because of the type of community it is, a lot of people aren't judgmental. Right. Um. And are I feel like there are a lot of empathetic people in the community. And yeah, I like I, I like I like I said multiple times, just going back to communication to make sure everyone's safe. But I think I don't feel like a lot of the problems that I deal with are much different. Um, you always, everyone needs to find adaptable ways to do things. And right. that being said, I also am a person who's you know not in a wheelchair or anything like that, so I understand mm -hmm. there are probably additional um, things that have to be worked out, but they're kind of always, they're always things that need to be worked out. Right. Right. I'll skip over the second because you just kind of answered that. Um, okay. it, the last part of question two is, does it keep you feeling strong and empowered no matter how MS is treating you? It does make you feel strong and empowered. Um, you know, just like any part of having MS, there are some days where no matter how MS is just treating me really shitty and I get frustrated and feel weak. And I think those days make me feel stronger on the days that I have good days. But I think just like anything, the days I, I feel weak, I feel frustrated and I wish that I wasn't something I had to deal with, you know, cause I have my days where I would never say this, but you know, I do have my days where I feel sometimes feel like I'm grateful for the MS because there's so many things that I was just not doing with my life because mm. I was like, I have so much time to do everything. Like I'm right. always going to be physically abled. I'm so young still. Mm -hmm. um, and then when the MS hit, I was like, Whoa, I've been waiting a long time for this to do this. And I've been dragging my feet and why am I not doing it? Like moving to, moving to Australia, getting into BDSM, right. um, you know, quitting a job that I wasn't feeling fulfillment in and, and so it was just, you know, yeah, 
now I'm forgetting what the original question was because I kind of went off on a tangent. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, no, no about was, how, just, yeah, how you, does being a dominatrix help, um, yeah. help you keep feeling strong and empowered? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So I think, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I feel, I do feel empowered a lot of the times and it keeps me feeling empowered, but I do think just like any other person, I have days where, you know, I'm just, MS has kicked me in the ass and I'm just like, fuck everything I'm gonna stay in bed all day and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know right. I'm still still like still human being I might I might wear like you know cat suits but it doesn't make me a superhero <laughs> right yeah I hear you yeah <laughs> another really interesting question so well, first of all um this one there's one question here that it's multi-layered mm-hmm. and we might have to come back to this question maybe a separate episode because it's yeah. really like huge and I <laughs> it, wonderful so I'm gonna ask you part, one part of the question so mm-hmm. this person and I'll just identify that this person says that they are non-binary dom sadist femme top with a serious chronic serious chronic GI conditions and severe depression. So that's their frame of reference for Uh asking the question. So they say, I also find there's very little info out there on how to properly handle a negotiation when you have a chronic illness that demands special considerations from pickup play to negotiating a scene with your partner. Can you maybe touch on this? And you touched on it a little bit, but would you say that that would be like the very first thing? Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, when I, when I, um, I feel like sometimes one thing in the community that I do feel like sometimes people still don't talk about right away mm-hmm. is cause they, the, especially, um, for, for submissives, because you know, part of their pleasure is giving their dom pleasure or seeing their dom, you know, have pleasure. So a lot of times submissives are hesitant to talk about their limitations. Um, And I'd say probably also doms as well, because doms also have, you know, they're like, well, how can I be dominant if I can't do this? Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think, it's still, there's still a bit of a stigma about talking about limitations, especially if you can't see them because they're easier to hide and people don't want to take away from the play. But I do think it's important. And at least for all I can speak is for me personally, I, that's part of, that's some of the first parts of negotiation I talk about is like, once we figure out what our overlapping interests are, it's like, I've never played without asking what are, what are, um, are, do you have any, you know, any medical conditions or, or physical, past physical injuries that I should know about to make mm-hmm. sure that this play is safe? And, you know, I can't, I can't help, um, you know, hold people accountable for being, I mean, I, people will only be as, I can only know what people will tell me. Right. But I try to encourage and make people feel comfortable with the fact that it's not going to impact our play negatively if they share it with me if anything it'll impact it more positively if they share it with me because I can find ways where we both can get probably even more pleasure out of the activity we're doing because I know something that gives me more information about how to do whatever we're doing it is I I love this <laughs> now I'm yes I'm very intrigued 
I can say that for sure. <laughs> Dana, do you want to finish this question another time or should we like, yeah, it's so I layered. It, it, it's so layered. Yeah. Like I really feel and like I, this is maybe going to be a two part episode. I think and so. If it, Mrs. Magenta, if you would be so kind to join us again. Yeah. I'd love to continue digging into this. It's a lot. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of my answers could be, you know, other people might have different experiences, different answers. And I think also having, you know, someone who's submissive and dealing with a chronic illness is going to have a totally different perspective than someone who's dominant dealing with a chronic illness. Mm -hmm. So yeah. That makes sense. That makes total sense. Wow. Yeah, I think our our experiences as MS patients look um, look a lot different. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's it's just so hard to to with 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 something like MS or a lot of chronic illnesses. It's so hard yeah. to you can't predict which path. Predict, yeah, yeah, to predict the path or where where it's going to go. Right. You gotta you you gotta deal with what's happening at the moment, and you can always find a way to align it with your interests and in and outside the bedroom, as long right. as you have a supportive partner, family, friends. Well, I mean, I, I can say as we kind of go towards the end of this, but I can say when I was having symptoms that were, you know, visible and um, really stifling, you know, like with mobility and everything, I I used to think, gosh, I'm never going to be, um, appealing sexually to anyone in the bedroom. I don't know if I'll ever be able to like move my legs in a certain way. Am I going to be able to hold my legs up? You know, um, Mm -hmm. it's just so it's, you just don't know, you know what I mean? So you have to like be comfortable with where you are and, and you don't really know what other people are into. You don't. You know, I think that is the beautiful thing. And that was going to be one of my final questions. Do you think, you know, of course you can't just speak for the entire community, but are people with disabilities generally welcome into the kink community? Uh, in my experience, a hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. In my experience, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I've been to clubs where there, are, you know, like I'm sure people with invisible disabilities, I've dealt with people with invisible disabilities. I've mm-hmm. uh, seen people at the clubs and known people in wheelchairs with that mm-hmm. use canes. Yeah, all different um, interests, sex drives. Um, and mm-hmm. the great thing about the community, like I said, because you have, I th- and I think, I forget who used the word, but the vulnerable, I think is a great word. Mm-hmm. It's that the kind of, a lot of the community is about vulnerability and right. being honest about what you're interested in. People allow vulnerability in all different aspects, including, you know, letting people, you know, bringing people into the community who I think the world thinks wouldn't necessarily be part of it. Right. Um, Like, I think that there's this, like I said, like, again, going back to the Hollywood thing is like, I think people think it's like a bunch of models and blah, 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 but they're all different, all different ages, all different backgrounds, all different physical uh, abilities, all different sizes, shapes, everything all different interests so like you know some clubs will have theme nights but like you can go to a club and you can see one person getting whipped while like I said the other person's get this other person's getting tip tickled and someone else right. is 
you know, getting suspended from the ceiling by rope, you know, so right. another person's getting wax poured on them. So it's like every, there's such a range of interests in the community. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I feel like in general, in my experience, it's, it's a very accepting community um, and people want to help each other adapt. And there are plenty of uh, like websites and stuff where you can get adaptable equipment for whatever interests you. So, cause you know, there, I know that there, I mean, in, and I think like a lot of doctors and stuff are more comfortable talking with MS patients about traditional, uh, AIDS for traditional right. sexual interests, like, right. you know, yeah, like dildos and stuff like that. But, you know, there are other interests that, you know, I, I don't know if doctors don't feel like it's part of their realm of responsibility or, if it even is part of their realm of responsibility to their patients, but that might be like a whole different conversation. Yeah, another for a conversation. Whole different day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a, yeah. I, think that's, I just, yeah. yeah, that's a big, big can of worms of what a doctor's yeah. responsibility is to their patient when it comes to their quality of life, quality well, of life when it comes to, to mm -hmm. sex and sexual yep. interests. I think they play a role. And yeah. this responsibility of normalizing what kink and sex looks yeah. like for the disabled community. I, you know what I mean? Like it feels yeah. comforting, no, like having this conversation with you all yeah. because right. I feel comfortable like wanting to now explore and ask my person, what are you into? I mean, I already know, but you know, I'm right. comfortable there. <laughs> right. Yes. And just, yeah. And, and definitely just feeling comfortable being open in the community about it too. Like if you do, you know, cause like I'd say in a lot of cities, maybe not now with Corona, but in, um, in a lot of cities, you know, there are education classes you can go to just to learn about different sides of kink and how to do it safely and stuff like that. I mean, it might not be something, um, not everyone wants to go that kind of avenue, but right. you know, when I've been to classes, like, like I, I've, I think I mentioned when we were talking before, um, not in this thing, but you know, we were mm -hmm. doing some pre chats, mm -hmm. you know, when I went to this intro, you know, there was anyone from like 20 year olds with like, pink hair to this older couple probably in their 60s that maybe uh more both of them were a little bit more curvaceous probably with the years that they've been gotcha. married and stuff like <laughs> right, that right yeah and they were but they were just like holding hands and listening and you were just like this is their oh. first time because it was an yeah. intro class it was an intro class so this was their first time getting into it and it's just like you know this place is for everybody yes. you know it's like I love it it's never yeah. too late it's yeah. never too late to get interested, you know, to, yeah. to, to talk about your interests. And it was just, it was just, it was really nice to, you know, really nice to, to see that, yeah. like, you know, and, and like I said, like, in, in, in this room that had all different genders, all different sizes, all different orientations. Uh, yeah, I feel like, I hope everyone felt comfortable in that room. Mm -hmm. It was a very, you know, very comfortable energy. So it's yeah. one of those things where, you know, you should never be scared if you're interested to kind of approach the community to, to do that because you'll, in, in most of, in all my, in all my, at least personal experiences, I've been met with open arms. So. Thank you That's for good that. To know. Yes. Yeah. Mistress Magenta, where can people learn more about you? So I, I do have a, a website and I've, uh, and a blog that I've, I, I want to talk a little bit more about these kind of issues. Cause it seems mm -hmm. like when I've talked just in 
Um, in conversations with people within the community, it seems like there are even more people dealing with uh, physical disabilities in the, in the community than I even realized. Um, mm -hmm. So you can go to um, mistress-magenta.com and yeah, and kind of uh, learn a little bit more and hopefully um, any questions that we didn't answer here, I'm hoping to write some additional blogs about answering some questions um, and yeah, and hopefully delving a little bit more into this community. And I also maybe um, posting some links to some places where if you want to learn a little bit about some adaptable equipment you can get, if anyone wants to, you know, is interested and wants to, you know, start checking it out, uh, we can, I'll, I'll yeah. post them there as well. That's well, perfect. We hope that, you know, we can do this again and like answer more questions or um, like in the series, you know, yeah, yeah, I would love to space for this. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you and uh, we will be in touch. We'll talk soon. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Myelin and Melanin podcast. You can always find us on the web at myelinandmelanin.com, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at myelinmelanin. You can always subscribe to us on YouTube. And don't forget to leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.